Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. something that's upcoming in our schedule um, on November the starting on October the 20th through November the 9th we are going to begin a concerted effort of 21 days of prayer and fasting and this is leading up to a revival that will begin on November the 10th through the 13th with the uh, uh, evangelist Doug Smith from Jacksonville or Orange Park and so uh, we're going to just be sending out some things or providing some things that we can be praying about uh, throughout this series and um, these, this series of prayer and fasting and just asking you to join us as a church because we don't want to just do something for the sake of doing it, but we want the hand of God to be upon what we're doing and uh, to bless that and we can prepare ourselves for that up front and I think we will uh, ultimately be much, much further down the road and um uh, I'm thankful our, our uh, focus prayer this morning, there's so many areas of our country where, or, or our, of our world, where it is not easy to access those countries or nations with the gospel. This year at General Conference, we had a missionary that could not be shown uh, publicly because he is a missionary to an access challenge nation. And um, just, just to hear his testimony of what uh, they what they accomplished, and it wasn't a boastful thing at all, but just to stand in light of what they're trying to do to uh, to propagate the gospel in these areas of the world just makes makes it feel like what we're doing here today is pretty low hanging fruit in in all reality. And I don't say that to condemn you or to condemn me, but it is the absolute truth. But I'm thankful that we have. We still have Apostle Pauls, and we still have men and women and their families who are willing to do whatever it takes to propagate the gospel. Amen. I, I want uh, to join in league with our uh, lead-in video this morning, beginning a series, Possessing the Promise. So we're going to be talking for the next four weeks about several pertinent things. Today, we're going to talk about whose report will you believe. We're going to follow that up next Sunday with following the leader. And then the following Sunday is going to be Sabotage by Self. What an interesting title because many times it's not the other person that's our problem. But we can sabotage the promises of the Lord. Amen. And then, and then finally we will conclude that with a lesson on possessing the promises. And so today we're going to turn to the book of Numbers chapter 14 and verses 6 through 9. I am um, just just felt led of the Lord yesterday and last night in, in uh, preparation. Again, this morning, I'm not going to be preaching the same exact thing in the second service, but I want to join what we're talking about here today in this service, and we're going to try our best with the help of the Lord 
to just segue from this into that in our second service. So if you will, please just stay connected, even though we may say amen at the end of this. How about that? The book of Numbers, chapter 14 and verse number 6, the Bible says, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Verse number 9 is certainly more than a casual caution. He said, Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. And so our topic today is whose report will you believe? And ultimately, it comes down to that many times in our life. We have to decide what we're going to believe. Amen. Whose report will you believe? And so in our text today, and I won't take because I, I understand and, ha and having looked at this audience this morning, I understand my audience. And so uh, most of you understand this text and the story behind this text. And uh, so I won't try to wade too into shallow waters, but just launch into it. But our, our text begins with a group of people that have received a negative report. And so to them, at least the majority of them, their future seemed bleak and without hope or at least little hope. And it's sad to think that the majority of these had, had, had opted to choose the wrong outlook. But I'm thankful for the minority, even though they were outvoted. I'm thankful for the minority that adopted a more positive outlook. And they chose to trust the promises of the Lord. I believe this is a story that in, in, in all reality belongs to the ages because it as, the principle of this story is as relevant on this Sunday in 2019 as it was the day it was written. Amen. And so I believe that, that from this we can understand that anyone can lay hold of the promises that God has made to us. I, I firmly believe that God is not in the business of just making promises to those that are in the ministry or those that may have some sort of title or position, but I believe that God has made promises to all of us. They're in his word. They apply to all of us. Amen. And there's a plan available for us to allow these things to unfold in our life. I will say this perhaps more than once, but let me say it at the outset that there is a difference between the promise of God and the timing of God. And sometimes that can be a very trying journey to make. God can uh, whisper some things into our heart, our spirit, and uh, confirm those things along, along, along and along from time to time. But uh, many, many times and quite often we find that, it, that there, is a, uh, there is a season to walk through and a time to believe that God will bring that to fruition in our lives. So there are some important principles that we find in Scripture. I'm going to do my best to just talk about a few of those, hopefully enough to get us on the right road. I believe that ultimately, if we were to bring this down as fundamental as we possibly can, 
that if we are going to possess the promises of God, we must take God at his word. We must, we must believe. Amen. We must believe. And so God had delivered his people from Egypt um, with the promise of going to Canaan, which is referred to in Scripture as the promised land. Forty years later in Deuteronomy 6, so I, I want to say that this promise that was first given birth to in Genesis 11 and 12 has, has, was not just something that was uttered one time. And I think it's important, at least I feel in my spirit that it's important today to underline this, that when the Lord spoke to Noah, he just spoke one time. And he gave him instructions one time. And then heaven was silent for a century. But that is not the case in what we're talking about today. In When we consider the promised land and being delivered and the various things they were delivered from, God multiple times reminded them of the promise. Amen. God delivered them from Egypt, not just so that they could be delivered. They were delivered from Egypt to go to Canaan. Forty years later in Deuteronomy 6, Moses reminds another generation and he says this in Deuteronomy 6 that he brought us out, referring to Egypt, that he might bring us in, referring to Canaan, to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. And so here's another reminder to another generation. The, land, the Lord had promised the land to the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he, and, but he was not silent on the subject on the subject to subsequent generations that would, that would follow. God reaffirmed that promise again and again. The Lord had reminded his people of that promise when they left Sinai in Deuteronomy 1. But even more specific, he reminded and reaffirmed his word again when they arrived at Kadesh Barnea. God's promise to Israel in truth to say, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. God's word was as good as the deed to the land of Canaan. Amen. His promise was all that Israel needed. That's truly all that Israel needed. But, but the nation doubted God's word. And they started walking by sight. And not by faith. And all of us at some point in our lives. Have walked by sight. And not by faith. As a matter of fact. It was originally the idea. Of the people. To go and search out the land before they possess the land. You can read that in Deuteronomy 1 and 22 that the people approached Moses about the idea. Well, I know God's promised us this land, but let's go check it out first. And the Bible even says that in the next verse that, that Moses said it sounded good to him. It sounds like a good plan. So somewhere along the line, even the receiver of the promise is doubting the word of the Lord. Amen. In truth, you don't have to go check something out if God's promised you that. I don't have to just say, you just hold the gate for me. I want to walk in and make sure this is everything God said it was going to be. If God said it, then that settles it. Amen. The men that were chosen, the 12 men that were chosen to go in and spy out the land, they were not everyday men. They were not ordinary men. They were rulers. Each one of them was the leader of one of the 12 tribes. They were recognized by their peers as leaders. And so Moses instructed them. He said, I want you to go into the land and I want you to go in and find out if the people are weak or strong. Find out if the people are few or many. 
I want you to go in and see if the cities are fortified. I want you to go in and see what the soil is like, if it's fertile or if it's poor. Now think about this. God has already said, I'm going to give it to you. So why should man be going in to say, well, we're going to just go see what this is all about. Amen. I'm, I'm not trying to say we should abort all, all reason and rationale, but we have got to understand the question on the table is whose report are you going to believe? The Lord said, I'm going to give you this land, and this has been a promise, not to just you, Moses, but this has been a promise to those before you. And so what the men did not know is that this, what you're about to do when you go into the land of Canaan, this is going to be a test about your perspective on God and your perspective on the promises of God. This is a test. Amen. This is going to be a test. This would be a test of their outlook on life. If you know the story, you know that this proved to be a critical test. It proved to be a deadly test. Joshua and Caleb were able to look at the land. They were not just looking at the land through the, through the natural eye, but they were looking at the land through the eyes of the promises of God. Despite the obstacles they faced, they understood God is going to keep his word. Therefore, Joshua and Caleb believed God's report about the land, and they did not believe the report about their, from, that came from their fellow spies. That doesn't mean they were in denial, because I believe they all experienced the same thing. It's so important that we focus our eyes, I think, on the promises of God, because God, if God has made us a promise, that's something we have to stay focused on I want to just speak to somebody today that's had God make you a promise that took years to come into fruition if you're that person today you understand well what I'm talking about today I understand that in our human nature we think that when God says something that means I'm going to wake up that's going to be on the front porch tomorrow I can just, I can just bank on that and plan on that but when it's not there, what are we going to do in the morning when it's not there? What, how are we going to respond to that? Amen. I have to stay focused on the fact that God said this. And when my faith is under assault, not if my faith is under assault, but when my faith is under assault, I've got to hold on to that promise. Amen. Paul said to the Corinthian church that the word of God is yea and amen, or it is yes and so be it. Amen. It's interesting that all 12 men saw the exact same thing, but they brought back different reports. Ten of them brought back an evil report. That's what the Bible said, an evil report. Now, they didn't lie. They weren't making things up that weren't real, but they brought back an evil. The evil report was predicated upon their lack of faith in the promises of God. And so here's a lesson for all of us today. Our report is important because my report is going to determine what I receive. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but if we can just pause here long enough to say this, that our report is important because that determines what I'm going to receive. Ten men's report said, we can't do this. And you know what? They didn't receive it. Two men said, we can do this and you know what those two men received it and so our report is important because that determines the blessing that we're going to receive from the Lord amen so I want to make sure that I'm looking at this through the eyes and the faith of the word of God 
If we're going to see God's promises fulfilled, then I can't just take his word for it. Amen. I got to do more than that. I've got to trust God's divine plan for unfolding that in my life. Again, I will use this illustration since we're talking about Canaan. You know, there's a, a common thought, I think, sometimes that when God says, I'm going to give you something, that means he's just going to lay the whole thing in your lap. But the promise of Canaan to the children of Israel was this. I'm going to give it to you by little and little. I'm going to give it to you a little bit at a time. Amen. Because God knew you're not able to just walk in and you're not able to just take the land. If you take the land, the land will overtake you. And so I'm going to give that to you little and by little. I will tell you what, you, you appreciate things that come your way by little and by little. <laughs> That's right. Amen. You, if, if you had to save for something, if you had to wait for something, if you had to navigate your way through something, that thing, every twist and every turn, every, uh, everything that we went through to get where we are makes where we are more meaningful because it wasn't just handed to us. We got it by little and by little. Amen. Everybody wants the benefit of God's promises. We all want God to just rain down his power upon our life. But I believe we must be dedicated to pursuing and trusting the plan of God. Even when heaven seems silent. Amen. I speak of something I know about today. Even when heaven seems silent, I've got to trust the plan of God. If God made the promise, God doesn't feel any obligation to walk beside me every third day and just pat me on the back and say, now don't forget what I said. Don't forget what I said. Amen. I just had to hold on to the unfolding promises of the Lord. Amen. Their fulfillment, the fulfillment of God's word and the fulfillment of God's promises is predicated upon a, a few things. Number one, I've got to agree with that. I've got to receive the promises of God. And then I've got to cooperate with the spirit and the presence of God to lead me to that. And I've got to stay focused upon that. Caleb said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome Joshua and Caleb believed the report of the Lord and their faith was reflected in their response. We can do this. They realized that even though the promise had been delayed for 40 years, it was, it was as rich and real to them that day, four decades later as it was the day that it happened. And so I have to develop a passion for the principle of pursuing things. If you see something you want, you're going to have to pursue that. That's why you have what you have because somewhere along the line there was a principle of, a principle of pursuit. The Bible says that Caleb had a, a different spirit or another spirit. It's not a negative thing, but there was something special about the spirit of Caleb. Caleb lead the report. He was willing to pursue the promise even if it meant facing unsurmountable odds. But here's the, 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 the at the end of the day, every promise of God has got to be pursued the Lord says, I'm going to do this in your life. We just can't go sit down and think the Lord is just going to land something or just drop something in our life. It, there's a lot that hinges on what I do between the time the promise was made and the promise came to fruition in my life. I've, I've got to come before the Lord in prayer. I want to believe him for that promise. In the case of the promised land, Moses didn't just accept the, that the promise of God was just going to automatically come to pass. He prepared himself. 
and he followed after him. He leaned toward the promise and he made provision and he readied men around them to go into the promise. In the same fashion, we can't sit and just wait for God to just unfold everything in our life. We have to be intentional. It takes effort on our part. We have to seek after the promises of God because we are... Uh, certainly our thinking is wrong if we believe that we, we can obtain the things that God wants to give birth to if we do not any preparation in our life whatsoever. The Bible is filled with examples of this and I, I won't take a long time but in, in the book of Luke chapter 11 verses 9 and 10 there are some principles. It's what I refer to as the principle of first response. The Bible says, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. And so it's that, that the fact that God puts us in a proactive position. It is the principle of first response. I've got to ask, I've got to, rather I've got to ask, I've got to seek, and I've got to knock. All of those things are there, but I've got to pursue those things if I'm going to have it. God's intention for us is to have a passion and a drive to learn more of him. And how we learn more of him, I think, is multifaceted. Certainly don't offer you an exhaustive list today, but I believe that when we study his word, when we are in worship services, and when we are acquainted with his spirit, we learn more and more and more about him. You have uh, close friends uh, perhaps even a companion, but it doesn't have to be a companion. You probably have got close friends that you can almost finish their sentences. That didn't happen the day you met. That didn't happen the month after you met. But it was after, uh, after, after having been in relationship with them. You know them. You know sort of perhaps what they're thinking or how they're thinking. And so I want to learn everything that I can about the Lord. He wants us to desire a deeper connection to him and to pursue that connection with, with, with a spirit of perseverance. I don't want to get distracted. And it's easy, very easy to get distracted in the world in which we live. A few Sundays ago, Sister Amanda was talking about uh, being unplugged and, and was talking about the dangers of social uh, media and or just that in general, many, many things. Oddly enough, last night, my phone updated a couple of days ago and, and last night, uh, my, my phone made a little noise. It was a, a, a different noise and so I looked over, picked it up and it had my screen time. And that had never done that before. And it just popped up with my screen time. And uh, you'd just be surprised how many hours it said I'd been in prayer. <laughs> there were three categories. I think one of them was productivity. That was the lowest category. So I thought about you, Sister Amanda, last night. Amen. So we got to be focused. And determine to not let the things of this world distract us to the point that we miss or even start doubting the promises of the Lord. Amen. Our journey, I believe, holds blessings that we cannot even fathom, things we could never imagine if we are willing to prove God. You know, Malachi 3.10, he talks about bringing the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house 
And then, interestingly, he says, Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I want to open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. I believe that God is, is re- referring to things beyond just monetary giving. But I believe that we can prove God. And God is waiting to open the windows of heaven. The only other place in Scripture that the Bible refers to a window in heaven being open is when it started raining. Amen. When the people got on the ark and the animals got on the ark. And so if that's the two windows that's in question, I believe we can trust that window. (laughs) Amen. If that's the window that Malachi is referring to in Genesis, we can trust that window that it'll pour out a blessing that we cannot contain. Amen. So uh, the value, the, the Bible says in Matthew, he refers to the kingdom of heaven being like a merchant who found a pearl of great price. And to obtain the pearl of great price, the Bible says that this man went and sold all that he had and bought the pearl. Because the value of the pearl demanded total commitment. It is an all-in, everything-on-the-table proposition. And so to each of us, the pearl of great price is certainly available to us through the power of Jesus Christ. And we possess salvation completely by, by holy selling out to him. Joshua and Caleb committed themselves to their faith and they held strong to the promises of God because they desired and believed that God would fulfill that in their life. And they knew that they were capable of fighting any battle and they knew that they were going to be able to overcome any obstacle. And as a result, they had no trouble standing on the promises and committing themselves to pursue what God had committed in their life unlike the other men that were standing there that day. I said a moment ago that these were not just ordinary men. These were the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. And these were men that were uh, recognized by their peers as being leaders. So here were men that were strong in stature, but they were not strong in faith. Amen. So we can't look the part is my point. We've got to have it in our heart. Joshua and Caleb were willing to press on and pursue the promises of God. They believed them. The pearl that that Jesus talked about in Matthew was given to the merchant because he sold everything in order to get that. And so we've got to have that same single-minded desire to say, Lord, I'm willing to lay everything on the line to trust you here. Amen. We've set our own agendas aside and we have to pursue the things of God. Because if we see the value in what God promised us, then the sacrifice becomes secondary. Amen. Amen. If we see the value of what God promised us, then the sacrifice becomes secondary. Because when you're convinced something has great value, you'll do whatever it takes to possess it. And can I further add, you'll do whatever it takes to keep it when it's something of great value. Amen. Just a few days ago, I've been, uh, we have been doing some remodeling in my office. And, and uh, so we were just kind of packing things up and putting things away. And uh, consequently, I can't find anything. <laughs> and I feel like it's going to be that way for a little while. But, but the other day, I couldn't find something of great value to me. It was a gift, a treasure. It was something that I could not replace. There would be no way to replace it because it was a gift given to me in a moment of time. It's not a valuable thing as far as this world is concerned, but it was valuable to me. 
And I'm going to tell you, my, I was sick. I was just couldn't think. And we looked, my wife and I, we just looked through boxes and looked through everything that we could think of. And I said, I know I could see it in this tray. I could, I could see it. You ever have those moments where you can just, you, it's clear as a bell up to right there. <laughs> and as sick as I was about misplacing that, the joy of finding it. The joy of finding it. And we would, we would just kind of pause in the search and just say, you know, let's just, let's just move on to something else. But after a while, I'd find myself back on the project because I just didn't want to take a chance because it was something of value to me. And so the promises of God belong to people that have a seeking heart to keep reaching after. And so God's promises, though, is something that we need to understand is that God's promises are conditional. God's promises are predicated upon our response in faith. Amen. God's not just going to say something and do something. God's going to say something and wait on us. Amen. The ten spies that didn't trust the word of God, those that were unwilling to pursue until absolute victory, amen, were those that did not receive the, the blessings of God. And so I believe that our outlook on something is going to determine our response to that. Amen. He, we, if we've got an attitude of faith, we're going to reach for those things that God has promised us. If we don't have that faith, then we won't respond and we won't receive. And it's just that simple. Amen. We've got to diligently search. We've got to seek him with our whole heart. That's what David said. Amen. We've got to seek him because he can be found. That's what we find in Acts. And God is looking for people that are seekers so that he can bless them. Amen. And I believe that the time to seek the Lord is right now. Right now. The answer to, our, to reaching our communities. And I, I don't want to, to uh, sound negative here at all about any of our outreach ministries or anything that we're doing here as a church. I would not promote that behind closed doors and then publicly sabotage that. Amen. But I believe the, the answer to reaching our communities is not just going to solely be found in methods or programs. Amen. But the answer is going to be found in our individual intention to pursue God. You can't just sing somebody out of sin because we're a talented singer. We can't just organize some program that will, that will break the chains of sin. It is, the, it is the anointing that destroys the yoke. And the anointing comes to those who are actively pursuing the God, actively pursuing God. Because lost people are going to not gain anything from us if we do not have a display of the fulfillment of God's promises in our life. Amen. We, we, we can teach the world, but if we don't have passion for the promises, we're going to gain nothing. Hallelujah. And so we've got to have, we've got to have the, the power in our heart, the passion in our heart, perhaps should say, to understand that God doesn't play games. The Lord has never had lunch with me. I believe I've had lunch when he was present. But the Lord and I just don't sit down and have some dialogue. I say something, he says something. I say something, he says something. <laughs> God does not play games. But he does also not desire to stay hidden from us. He doesn't want his will hidden from us. He wants us to love him enough to pursue him. Amen. When we were children, you play a game of hide and seek. 
be a pretty anticlimactic game if nobody would seek. And if you only had hiders, wouldn't take long for the for the joy of that game to die in the street. What makes that game work is that you have somebody willing to hide, but you've also got somebody willing to seek because they are there. They really are there. You've got to seek and find them. And so to possess the promises of God, we've got to persist through problems and there will be problems, but we can persist through those problems through the spirit of God. The promised land did have its challenges. I want to really underline the fact that Joshua and Caleb were not oblivious to the fact that there were walled cities and they were not oblivious to the fact that there were mountains, that uh, giants rather, that had to be conquered. And I'll just say this to you, not by way of discouraging you, but to prepare us that every promise brings its own set of problems. But they were willing to fight and possess the land. And we have to persevere if we're going to pursue and receive the things of God. I think our greatest problems are often within us. It's our perspective on life. It's our view of ourself. And, and oftentimes it's our unbelief and, and limiting God. I know God can do that here or there, but I don't know if God can do that here. I know that God can do that for them, but I'm not sure that God could do that for me. I know what I'm speaking about today because we know that God can do wonderful things in third world countries. And we can, with weeping eyes, rejoice in what God is doing in other parts of the world. But can we believe God to do those things right here in our very midst? Amen. And just in just this, in the course of this week, and I don't want to put anybody's business in the street, but I'll tell you that in the course of this week, there's been nothing less than an absolute miracle in the life of Sister Shirley Polk. Amen. What she had experienced, and yet the doctors say we find nothing. Amen. They're not in the business of playing games. And, and so we understand that God is moving in this time, in this world. God is moving. He is still a healer. He still hears and he still answers prayers. Amen. God still makes promises and God still keeps promises. Hallelujah. Amen. But if we're not careful, we can limit God through our unbelief. And those things can not only delay the work of God in our life, but those things can derail the work of God in our life. God has given us the Holy Ghost so we can know more about him. And so as we seek a deeper understanding of who he is and all the things that he has promised us, we gain the power to overcome the problems. Therefore, we have the power to possess the promises. And so we have a, a choice to take advantage of the gift. Amen. We have a choice to say, Lord, I'm going to step into this or a choice to say, I'm going to step out of this. I see our character is not determined by our standing with men. Our character is determined by the way we pursue the things of God. We have the ability to choose to be what we want to be. In pursuing the promises of God, I've got to get beyond carnal thinking. Amen. You know, when the Lord sent, sent and commissioned his disciples... And this kind of flies in the face of all the planners. But he said, don't take any thought about what you're going to eat or wear. Just launch out. That kind of goes against the grain of who I am. 
if we're on a trip and we're going to have to spend the night between here and there, when I leave home, I want, I want that reservation number with me. I want to know that there's a room waiting on me. I don't want to just drive and take a chance because that system has let me down a few times. Amen. And, and so, but we've got to trust that the Lord is going to work those things out. And, and so when we think about um, that we have got to pursue the things of God, sometimes in the absence of all the answers and get beyond our carnality and get beyond our lack of imagination, perhaps even beyond our lack of faith, sometimes we can put too much emphasis on us to believe that God could do something in us. But I don't want to let my eyes be so focused on the things here that I miss what God is wanting to do. And so there are things and times that we're going to have to step out when it doesn't make sense and launch when you don't have all the answers. Somebody says, well, there's a thin line between faith and foolishness, and I would agree with you on that, sir, but there is a line. And some things that look foolish may be faith. Amen, that we launch out and let God have his way in our life so that we can pursue those things. Amen, I'm thankful for that. I don't want to let, just let my focus be on the things of this earth because God has promised us the Holy Ghost. He's promised us eternal life. He has promised in Philippians that whatever he started, he would finish. Amen. He's promised that we could do all things through him because he will give us the strength to do that. He has promised that he would supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. He's promised that he would never leave us, never forsake us, and so we can. God made full uh, on his promises, the resources of his spirit, making those things available to us to strengthen us and guide us. I want to say it again. There is no doubt that we will face obstacles individually or collectively, but can I tell you that you're going to face obstacles if you don't step into the promise? Those that said we can't faced obstacles. Those that said these giants are just too much had to face other giants in their life. And so we can't just say, well, I, I think the safer thing to do is just kind of put it in neutral, set the cruise, and, and let's just coast along here because obstacles are a part of life. But every obstacle can be overcome by faith. Yes, it can. Amen. I have to refuse to be discouraged let me say that a different way. I have to refuse to stay discouraged because we all get discouraged. I have to refuse to stay discouraged and I have to stay focused in my pursuit. And so the question ultimately today has been this. Whose report will you believe? This entire body of people were faced with a decision. Two men are saying we are well able to take this. They had evidence of the fruit of the land. Ten were saying there's no way we can do this. And so somebody had to choose a report to believe. And again, here's a question for the ages. Which path will we take? Because what, what happens here at this moment is a real game changer. Someone said... <laughs> There is a point in the Rocky Mountains where raindrops fall so close together. However, even despite the closeness of 
the raindrops falling at this point in the Rocky Mountains, if one raindrop falls on the one side of the ridge, it's going to flow westward. And it will ultimately wind up in the Pacific Ocean. While the other raindrop that fell on the other side of the ridge will flow southeastward. And it will ultimately make its way to the Gulf of Mexico. These raindrops are so close, so near one another. But they wind up so far apart. Because it depends on which side of the ridge we're going to fall on. It depends on what decision that we're going to make in our life. That's a critical thing because it's going to determine the flow in our spirit. And it will ultimately determine where we wind up. Amen. Such a small, insignificant thing. We could almost assume there's nothing to it. And perhaps that's an appropriate illustration of people making decisions concerning their walk with God. You think, well, it may not be a big deal, but it may be a bigger deal than we would ever dare dream because if I fall on this side of it, the Spirit of God is going to flow this way and this is where I'm going to go. Or I could flow this way and I could wind up, amen, in an opposite direction. People may be in the same family or people in the same social group and yet their decisions for the Lord or decisions against the Lord determine where their eternal destiny is going to be spent. Let me just put it a little bit plainer. The decisions that we make are going to determine eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. Amen. Because despite what is popular among the church culture today, the church world, somebody is going to hell because the scripture says she has enlarged her mouth without measure. Amen. Someone is going there. And so I've got to make decisions that are going to be in the best interest of my spiritual of my spiritual future. At the, at the moment, that difference may seem oh so slight, but it's flowing this way or flowing that way. Destinies are bound up in decisions that we make. Destinies are bound up in decisions that we make. Amen, that weighs on me. I want to wake up with the weight of that every day. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread. Order my steps in your word, Lord. Amen. Order my steps in your word because the things that I'm doing today are not just going to affect today. It's not all going to be sealed and wrapped and done at the end of the closing of the day. But what I'm doing today can determine my future and certainly affect the future of those that we have influence on and around. Amen. I pray that God will help us to understand the value of whose report we're going to believe. I want you to stand with me if you will and let's understand today from an age old story there is a fresh anointing and a fresh challenge presented to us to say God help us to make the right decisions, decisions that are conducive to the betterment of our own lives and our own future. Amen. Lord, I love you today and I thank you for your word and I thank you for the... This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.